You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all this morning. Um, you know, the symbol that I have on this, oh, do you know, just before I do that, I've got to tell you, um, well, I think it's a funny story, but we decided we were going to sponsor a child a few years ago, my wife and I. And uh, somebody came to the door, and it was World Vision, sorry, Darren. World Vision came to the door, and World Vision, and we had, had heard about people who sponsored through World Vision. So we said, yes, we'd like to sponsor World Vision. We really felt God put on our hearts. We want to sponsor a child. So the guys from World Vision came to the door, and we said, yeah, we'd like to sponsor a child. And they said, would you like to sponsor a child anywhere particularly? I said, you know what? Just surprise me. We know... We know, yeah, well, I didn't say it to him, but I said, you know, the Lord's hand is on this. We know the right child will receive the blessing of a sponsorship. So we sent off the thing, gave him the, gave him the details, off it went. And next thing, a few weeks later, in the post comes a letter from World Vision. And World Vision were, were delighted to announce the child that we were sponsoring. I said, this is fantastic, guys, look. I got calling the kids and I said, lads, look, we're after getting the child responsible. So we opened up the thing and the child was called Ahmed. From the Islamic Republic of Mauritania. So I kind of said, do you know what? No, Lord. I kind of was hoping that we might end up sponsoring a Christian. But as it turns out, we ended up sponsoring a little Muslim child. But you know what? Maybe someday, maybe someday, that little Muslim child will grow up and he'll hear that it was a Christian who sponsored him. Wouldn't that be good news? So now, keep it going, lads. Keep it between the ditches. Keep sponsoring. It's a great, great practice. We took out with compassion as well. I know we are in a Christian. We're in a Christian community now as well. So we're doing a little bit of both. You know, we're so balanced. A little bit of the lost. A little bit of the saved. You know how it is. You know, it's just the symbol on the screen. The symbol on the screen is a symbol that appears on my phone every now and again. I have an Apple phone. And when I see this symbol on the screen, I begin to get a bit of a panic attack. Is anybody like me who really gets worried when their phone battery level goes low? You see, we're so only a handful of you and the rest of you are liars because we're so addicted to our phones at this stage that we begin to wonder, do you know what? I think I would rather go without food and water than go without my phone. I don't care if the cupboards are empty. My battery is charged. I'm fine. We see, I would, I've said to somebody recently, I'd rather lose my wallet than lose my phone. Because I like my phone. It's not that I think I have a pretty phone, but we've become so dependent on the phone. And you know, sometimes when I see this symbol on it, I think, <laughs> I better get the thing charged. And one of the big discussions that goes on in our home is, where are all the chargers gone? You know, you know those elves that come into a house and they steal all the chargers and stick them under the couches and under the beds and, and all the chargers disappear. Well, you know, sometimes the symbol on the screen can not only be a symbol of what's going on in our phones, but it can be a symbol of what's going on in our lives themselves. Sometimes we can look a bit like this, physically, or spiritually, or mentally. Sometimes we can look a little bit like this battery running down, and we can suffer fatigue in our hearts and in our souls and in our lives. And sometimes we can suffer quite a chronic fatigue in our souls and in our lives. And I want to look at that this morning. I really feel God put this particular message this morning, and I don't know, by the way, this morning, Cafe Church, I hope you can hear us. We understood that the sound problem was solved from last week, so right now, if you could get your very best lip reader to the front of Cafe Church, they can read my lips and repeat after me, so God bless you, I hope you can hear us below there. Anyway, you know, I began, I was planning to go in a different direction, I really felt God draw me back into this direction this week as I was preparing the message for Sunday. I wanted to look 
uh, I had been meditating and thinking upon one of the most famous passages in the Bible, and I wanted to look a little bit at the background of it, a little bit what it would say to us today. Today's message is called Strength Will Rise, and we're looking at a passage from Isaiah chapter 40. Now, most of you will know this passage. If you've been a Christian any period of time, you'll know what passage I'm about to talk about from Isaiah chapter 40. And I think it's actually a prophetic word for some people here this morning, and maybe a broader, more applied word to some of us who are perhaps running down in terms of our energy and in terms of our soul's energy, in terms of our mental energy and our physical energy. I want for context to have a quick look at this very start of Isaiah chapter 40, because Isaiah chapter 40 starts in a very strange way. You see, the timeline actually shifts in Isaiah chapter 40, and most Bible commentators believe that Isaiah is now prophesying to the people who are in exile in Babylon. However, the Babylonian exile would not take place until 200 years after the period of time in which Isaiah lived. So it literally is a prophetic comfort to the people of God hundreds of years before the events that they're about to experience even happen. You see, God knows what's going to happen to us. Amen. He knows your trials and he knows your tribulations. He knows your circumstances and he knows your situations and he knows what's going on in your life. Not only that, but God makes provision in advance for you in the midst of your walk. And this is what's happening here. You have a strange time shift. Now the people of Israel ended up, the Israelites ended up in exile in Babylon for one reason. Their own fault. It was entirely down to their own circumstances. It was entirely down to their own choices. It was entirely down to their own decisions. It was entirely down to their own idolatry, their own worship, their own abandonment of God that they ended up in Babylon In the first place, they were taken by the great king of Babylon, a guy called Nebuchadnezzar. He was the greatest king that Babylon ever had. And he came and he took them from the land and he took them away to the empire of Babylon, way off to the east of where the Israelites lived. And they had been there for many, many years. In actual fact, God had promised them that before they left, it would be 70 years before they would return. 70 years, an entire lifetime. In actual fact, in terms of the lifespan of the, of the average adult male in the world at the time, almost two lifespans they would have spent away. And so Isaiah begins, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 1. And the Lord says to Isaiah, he says, comfort, comfort my people. And he begins to tell the people of Israel who are in in captivity in Babylon what God is doing and what God is planning and who God is and what he's like and his power and his creative power, his redemptive power, his provisional power. All the powers that God has, he begins to explain to them and he begins to communicate them through this quite long chapter of Isaiah chapter 40. And as he begins to explain it, he begins to spell out what God is like. And then he comes towards the end of the passage. And we're going to look, we're going to start in verse 25. And at verse 25 to to, to 31, you get a summation of this passage. The summation of this comfort that God is offering his people. If you need comfort, if you need courage, if you need encouragement this morning, I'd encourage you, listen to God's word. Listen to what God says about you and about your circumstances. Would anybody say amen? Amen. May God bless us as we look at his word. No, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on us as we look at your mighty, mighty word. Hallelujah. He begins 
in Isaiah chapter 25. And remember the people's circumstances. They were carted off into exile by their, as a result of their own actions. To whom will you compare me? Asks God. Who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army. One after another. Calling each by name. Because of his great power. And incomparable strength. Not a single one is missing. He begins by making appeal to who can you compare me to? Because the gods of the Babylonians... They were very like you and me, actually, as it turns out. Bel and Marduk. The gods that the Babylonians worshipped were very like us. They got hungry and they got tired and they got cranky and they got jealous and they got envious and they got bitter and they got murderous. And the pantheon of the gods of the Babylonians actually were not really very nice gods at all. And what was going on in these, for these people who were surrounded by these gods, and by the way, you were also surrounded by gods, you did just not call gods anymore. Money and media, they're the gods of nowadays. The market, they're the gods of nowadays. They're no, they don't call them gods, they don't bow to them, but they're the gods of nowadays. And the Lord is saying, I'm not like those gods. I'm not like those gods that pick you up and chew you up and spit you out. I am not like the gods of the Babylonians who have to be kept happy all the time. I'm not like the gods of the media who love you one minute and hate you the next. I am not like the gods of the market who measure your value only in monetary terms. I'm not like that God. I am different. And he says, look up at the stars. The Babylonians loved to look at the stars. They loved to look at the stars. They saw the future as happening by reading the stars. Uh, uh, astronomy was one of their most significant methods of telling the future. And in the early... The ancients who would have read this, they could have seen 5,000 stars at night in the sky. 5,000 stars. We don't tend to see that now because of our urban culture, even though you can go to certain dark sky reserves and see more stars. But 5,000 stars they could see. However, no scientists believe that the Milky Way alone has 400 billion stars in it. That's just our galaxy alone. And they also now think that there are 125 billion other such galaxies in the universe. Meaning that when you look up to the stars and ask yourself, where did all these come from? You're looking at 1 times 10 to the 22 stars. What's that? It's a billion trillion stars. Not one is missing. He knows about a billion trillion stars do you think he knows about you do you think he knows about the hairs that are on your head do you think he knows about the little things that are getting you down or weighing your energy or taking your strength away he goes on to say this oh jacob how can you say that the lord does not see your troubles oh israel how can you say that god ignores your rights have you never heard have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? The next appeal that he begins 
is the appeal to their memory. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? These are rhetorical questions. In other words, he's saying, of course you've heard about God. You've heard that he is the everlasting God, the creator of all the things seen and unseen. Of course you've heard of him. But I like what one commentator said. He said, the appeal to the past is the prediction of the future. You know they say in psychology that the best indication of a person's behavior in the future is what they've done in the past. That's the most likely thing that happens. If a man is kind to his wife in the past, he will generally be kind to her in the future. If your children are obedient to you in the past, they will be probably obedient to you in the future. Or you may need a miracle. You don't know. Something might happen. You never do know. The most likely outcome or the most likely things that you will do tomorrow are the things that you did yesterday. That's the most likely things. And God is making this exact same appeal to the people of Israel here. He's calling them by the name. He's identified himself. And he's saying this to them. Haven't they shown up in the past? You remember how we got across the Red Sea? Remember how I fed you in the desert? Remember how the Jordan opened? Remember how we overcame your enemies in generations gone by? Do you remember how I gave miracle upon miracle? How I was with Moses and then I was with David and I was with, I was with Solomon? Do you remember how I was with the previous kings? Do you remember how I was with the prophets? Do you remember how in previous situations in your life you wondered would there be provision but there was provision? Can anybody here say that they've experienced God breaking through in their lives and changing their circumstances in the past? Will you raise your hand? Will you raise it up high? Get your hand up high. Come on, preach to yourself for a second. Do you see that hand? Do you see what that hand testifies to? It means that that which has happened in the past is going to happen in the future. What happened in your life before is going to happen again. If God has shown up in the past, he's going to show up again. If he gave you a miracle in the past, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a miracle in the future. Have you had a bill you couldn't pay in the past? He's going to provide you. You're going to be able to pay that bill in the future. Would anyone say amen? You see, because what he does in the past, he does again. It's an appeal to our memory. That's what Isaiah chapter 40, these verses are saying. Can you not see that there's a pattern here? That there's a pattern in your life, if you're sincerely following God, that he shows up at the time of need? He goes on to say this. The Lord, he never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. Hallelujah. You know what? When we depend upon our own strength, we're in trouble already, aren't we? You can't walk the walk of faith in your own strength. It's just not possible. You need to know the power of God at work in your life. But then the part, of the part of the chapter that pretty well everyone on the planet knows if they're a Christian. But those who wait upon the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Do you need strength this morning? Are you weary this morning? Is there an area in your life where you need to be renewed in your strength? Wait upon the Lord. 
Because you will grow weary, even if you're in great form this morning. Hallelujah, I could run a marathon today. I, I personally couldn't, but you know what I'm saying. Maybe you feel like that today. But you know, your energy will wane. Your strength will go. You'll need to depend on the Lord again. But I like this idea of waiting. And that's kind of where I want to go with it. Because I think we need our strength renewed. But the, the, the first part starts with the waiting. And we don't like the waiting, do we? Does anybody here like waiting? You know when the, the little circle goes when you're loading up a, a web page? You know that kind of lovely feeling of, oh, this is a great opportunity to rest for a while. Do you ever notice that? Or do you ever notice when you're sitting in traffic and the person two cars ahead of you decides to be on the phone just as the light goes green and you're already late? Do you know that sense of deep patience and rest that you feel at that moment? You know that kind of, oh, bless them, Lord, bless them, Lord, with an articulated truck coming from the right we don't like waiting. But the problem about waiting is that we don't understand what waiting really is like. I get the bus every now and again. I, I, I travel on the bus. I commute into the city here and to work regularly on the bus, traveling on the bus. And you, If you travel on a bus, it means that you have to wait. That's it. You just got to wait until the bus comes up. But you see, there's different ways of waiting. You see, we wait sometimes uh, anxiously. You know if you bake a cake and you put a cake into the oven. Now, I haven't baked a cake in all my life, so what am I talking about? I just made the odd souffle, you know. But um, imagine your souffle is in the oven. You put your souffle into the oven. And for those of you who don't know what a souffle is, we're doing cookery lessons after church today. Uh, Martina there is going to be leading the cookery lessons. God bless you, Martina. You know you put a souffle into the oven. You don't sit there in front of the oven going, it's nearly ready. It's getting brown. It's getting brown. It's, it's, it's changing. It's starting to rise. It's starting to rise. You don't sit there doing that, do you? No more than when you wait for a bus, do you stand there going, bloody bus. Come on, will you? Come on. The bus isn't due for another 15 minutes. Would you ever pick it up a small bit? It doesn't leave until quarter past. It's not coming any sooner. But what we do is we can sometimes choose to wait impatiently or we can wait patiently. Like the psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord. I generally must say not great at waiting patiently. But here's the thing. We rarely just wait. And this is, the, and this is, the, the, this is what the waiting here in the scriptures is about. This is not sitting down in your chair. Wish I had a chair. This is not sitting on your chair going, well, until something changes, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to wait here for the miracle to show up. I just need energy, so I'm just going to sit here and wait for the Lord to give me the energy. I'm just going to wait here for the Lord to give me the miracle breakthrough. No, that's not what that waiting is. And some people think that this waiting is a kind of a, a way of just kind of restfully reposing. That is not at all, at all, at all what is intended here. The, the Hebrew word is kwava. Kwava is the word that's used for waiting. And it means an active, anticipatory, energetic waiting. It means you're waiting, but you're doing something else while you're waiting. Do you know when you're, you know you're standing at the bus stop? Have you ever noticed an interesting thing happens when you're waiting? No, I, very few of you are on the bus stop. I am on the bus stop because I'm dirt poor. Pray for me. Anyway, uh, I'm standing at the bus stop. I never just wait at the bus stop. I'm always fiddling with my phone. Well, the battery goes dead. Ah, I'm fiddling on my phone. And, you know, you're looking at something. I'm checking an email or answering a text or looking at a WhatsApp. Or I might be looking at a video or an article or something like that. So while I'm waiting, I'm actually generally doing something else but you know the curious thing about doing something else is that sometimes when you're doing something else hallelujah you forget that you're waiting 
You forget you're waiting. Next thing, oh, the bus is here. Oh, because you forgot that you were waiting. And sometimes when we're waiting for something, if we make ourselves busy and active about continuing to follow God and continuing to serve him, sometimes we forget that we're waiting. Do you know what I'm saying? Are you with me? You're not against me. That's good. You see, because to us, waiting is wasting. I like this quote. To us, waiting is wasting. But to God, waiting is working. God is working while we are waiting. And if we are actively waiting, we can enjoy the process of God being at work. We can enjoy that process. See, the waiting that is referred to here in the Bible is very different from the impatient version of waiting that we understand it to be. And God offers renewed strength for those who wait on him. And so renewed strength for different areas of our life. Sometimes our energy is fine, but our heads are tired. Do you ever get a tired head? Do you ever get a t- mentally tired? Sometimes, you know, we, are, we can be physically strong and even mentally strong, but we can be morally weak. Sometimes we're just, we're just open to temptation and we don't have any particular strength. And there's times when we're physically fine, but spiritually we're just not, we're just not at the races at all. God offers and promises renewed strength for all of these areas of our lives. Look at this very briefly. For physical strength, Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. He'll move. Your body will will recover if if the spirit lives inside you. We can read in the Old Testament stories like Elijah, who was empowered to run physically fast ahead of the, the chariots of the king. God empowers people physically Sometimes when we wait upon him, he renews our strength. He renews our mental strength. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, you know it very well, says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be renewed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let your mind be renewed. You know, especially when we're mentally tired and there's stuff going on. And there's some, I, think, I think mental tiredness definitely comes from uh, times when there's just too much stuff going on and too many dramas to be dealt with and too many details to be followed up on. We can become very mentally tired in situations like that what about moral strength Paul says to Timothy he says God did not give us a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear amen but he gave us a spirit of power and of love and if you translate it properly and of self-control you can translate it the other way of a sound mind if you want to but you get you kind of go back to mental strength again it's up to yourself but of self-control God renews our strength, we're going to look a little bit more at, at, at some of these areas on Tuesday night in our study about habits of a lifetime. We're going to be looking a little bit more into this and looking at some faith-based formulas for changing some of the habits in our life. But anyway, just moving, just trying to get the plug in there. And finally, spiritual strength. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. If you don't know what Acts chapter 8, verse 1 says, then you probably shouldn't be going to a Pentecostal church. Because Acts chapter 1 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's a spiritual strength. It's beyond physical strength. These are just single references. There are dozens of references to all of these different areas. All of these different areas. The bottom line was this, that when, when the Lord was speaking to his people and speaking to people like you and I, very often we're in the middle of a war. And very often we get a bit of a kicking in our lives. Anybody here have had a kicking in their life? I've had kickings in my life. I've had situations that have really gone against me. I've been stuck in battles and I've gotten black eyes and bruised lips. Not physically, not yet, but uh, who knows. Here's what Paul talks about his life. Paul talks about his experience. Sorry, forgive me. Did I jump a, did I jump a slide? What's after happening here? 
No, you won't go for me. Okay, let me come back. He says this. Let me, let, let, me come, let me come back. I can read it. Don't ask me why it's not coming up. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Amen? Amen? We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. Isn't that working for me? No, it's okay. It's okay, Diana. It just has, seems to have a mind of its own. Sorry, forgive me, lads. I'm reading on the screen at the back. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not knocked out. Hallelujah. Has anybody here been pressed? Pressed in your experience? Were you crushed? No. I wasn't actually, no. I had a grand. Has anybody here been struck down in their, while walking in their faith? Yeah. Were you destroyed? And Paul's experience here tells us that even though circumstances can go against him, forgive me, I need to get past this. Though the experience went against him at times, it didn't mean that he was defeated. It meant that he still got up and he fought on and he continued to fight. And so at the end of his days, he would be able to say, I have fought the good fight. I've won the race, he said. But I think there's something else that goes on in our souls. And I think that is... That we can find ourselves in these, all these small battles going on in our lives. And I just feel like this is something specific to some people here this morning. What does renewal of strength look like? Well, you know, I've talked to people. I've talked to a few people in the last few weeks. And they told me about the trial that they're going through. The difficult situation they're going through. And they felt like they were giving up hope. They were losing hope because of their circumstances. And I really felt from the Lord saying to me, you know, these people are making up their minds about the war. When the war isn't over yet. You can look at your life on a bad day and say, ah, I'm defeated. It's all over. And you can look at your circumstances, but only judge part of your life. Your life, your walk of faith will consist of a war that is fought in individual small battles. That's what it'll be. It'll be little battles. There won't be any big, I'm going to show up at my flaming sword and fight the demons away from my back door moment. There's probably not going to be any instantaneous experience of a blue flashing light in your bedroom while you take on the forces of heaven and hell. No, you're going to fight little, small battles. That's how every war is fought. And that is how every war is won. And you know, if you look at sport, I like to watch some sport. If you look at a team, for instance, who is down losing, let's go for a sport like, let's go for a sport like, let's go for hurling. Why not go for hurling, okay? So you're watching hurling, okay? You're watching the hurling match, and Cork are three goals down to Tipperary in the All-Ireland final. And there's about 10 minutes left in the game. And they're defeated. Their energy is just gone. They're depleted. You can see that the Cork guys just don't seem to have their head in the game anymore. And then somebody miraculously almost gets one goal back. And the team kind of go, ah, oh, well, you know, we're still going to be beating. And then suddenly they get two goals back. Now, they haven't won the war. They've just won two small battles. But the change in the energy of the people on the field, that's what the renewal of strength is. Suddenly guys who were dragging their heads and dragging their knuckles just a few minutes ago are back in the fight. Why? Because they won a couple of battles. And sometimes we just need to win the next battle. Are you in a battle? I believe the Lord will help you win that next battle that you're in. And it will be a promise to you. A promise to you that you are going to win the war. You see, Jesus has won. 
is winning and is going to win the ultimate victory. Would anybody say amen? I read the end of the book. That's what it says and I'm going to trust in it. That's what happened. But we need to win each battle one at a time. Here's what Paul writes. He says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work. Where is the work? Within us. Hallelujah. To accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now I've got a good imagination and I've got a good, I can think clearly and I think, yeah, I can think of a lot and God can do immeasurably more than what I can think of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you need a victory? Do you need a victory in your life this morning? God will grant you that victory. Do you need to win the next battle? Let's pray for God to give you the strength to win the next battle. Would anybody say amen? I want to finish with a quote. Uh, I want to finish with a quote and then a very, very short verse. This is from Matthew Henry. I love what he says this. He says, he says, those who walk by faith in the goodness of God will in due time walk in the sight of that goodness. Those who walk in the faith You don't see it now, but in the goodness of God, expecting good things from God, expecting God's goodness to be, to bear fruit in your life, you will in due time see the sight of that very goodness that you've hoped for. Hallelujah. Do you want to be recharged? I want to be recharged. I want to be recharged. I've got low batteries in some areas of my life this morning. This is what Paul says, I can do all things. Through Christ who gives me strength. I can't do it in my own strength, but I can do it through Christ who gives me strength. Amen? Let's stand. Let's stand. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to sing the song, Strength Will Rise As We Wait Upon the Lord. Now, for some this morning, I know that you've been in a battle, or you've been in battles, and you feel like you've been on the defeated end of battles recently. I want to pray for you this morning that God would give you the victory in the next battle you fight. Amen? Let's win the next battle. Let's see our strength renewed by just winning the next battle. Amen? If you're here this morning and you need a renewal of your strength, whether that's in your mind or in your body, whether it is in your your, your character, whether it's moral strength, self-control, self-discipline that you need, maybe that's the strength you need this morning. I'm going to pray for that strength this morning that you'd walk in that strength. And I want to pray for those who need spiritual renewal and spiritual new strength this morning. Amen. Let's sing first. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Let's sing and declare the goodness of God. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise. Strength will rise. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise. Strength will rise. We wait upon the Lord. As we wait upon the Lord. As we wait upon God. We reign for
strength this morning in any area of your life? Do you need your strength renewed? If you do, will you raise your hand? Praise God. We're going to pray in a second. Just keep your hand up for a second. If you're here this morning and you've just experienced a number of defeats, you feel like you're losing the war, you need a battle victory right now. Right in these days, right, you need the strength to win the next battle. You know that you are battle-weary. You know that you've been hit and you've been struck down. You just need to win the next battle. If that's you this morning, will you raise your hand? Can I invite you, if you've raised your hands to either of those requests, would you come to the front? We're going to pray briefly. We've just got a couple of minutes. Will you come to the front as the guys brought the song for us again? You are the everlasting God. Hallelujah. Strength. You are the everlasting God. The everlasting God. You lift us up. everlasting God no one compares with our God he doesn't grow tired and weary he's not like us he is from everlasting to everlasting the one who called you by name made the heavens and the earth today we stand not only on who he is but who he says we are would anybody say amen if you need strength this morning will you raise your hands to heaven Let's pray. You know the area of your life. Maybe you have many years in your life where you just need a renewal of God's strength and God's power. Hallelujah, Lord, we wait upon you. We wait upon you this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who've raised hands this morning in prayer before you. Lord, you are the God of our past. Would anybody say amen? Lord, what you've done in the past, how you have sustained us through trial and tribulation through circumstance and situation. Lord, when our cupboards were bare, our accounts were empty, Lord, when our relationships were in trouble, Lord, you showed up. Would anybody say amen? Lord, will you show up again in our experience, Lord? We wait upon you, Lord, because we have heard that you are the God of the everlasting. We have heard that you are the God who gives strength to the weary, Lord. We have heard, Lord, that you are the one who renews the strength of those who wait upon you, Lord. I pray, Lord, this morning that in our waiting, that our waiting would be recognizing your working in our lives, Lord. Lord, for the breakthroughs that we've been waiting for, Lord, Lord, I pray that we would have faith to expect your work to be worked out in our lives, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, for those of us who are standing here, Lord, and who are walking by faith in the goodness of God, Lord, let us see what our hearts long for, Lord. Let us see what our hearts long for. Let's just close our eyes for a second. If you're here this morning and you've been fighting battle after battle and you feel like you're losing the war, you feel like you just don't know that you can take too many blows, it's been difficult for you, I know you'll be in the minority here, and that's, that's fine, that's good. If you're here this morning, you want to say, Lord, I just need 
your victory right now in my life. I need your victory right now for this battle. If that's you, will you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, just keep your hand in the air. Lord, I pray for all of those this morning who need your victory, Lord Jesus. Lord, strength for the next battle, Lord, so that their strength will be renewed and they're reminded of your goodness in the land of the living, Lord. Lord, for so many feel like they're losing the very war itself this morning, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would renew their power, renew their hope, renew their faith, renew their life, renew their expectation, Lord. And I pray, Lord, you would replace, Lord, the dread and the depression with excitement and expectation. Excitement and expectation at what God can and will do, Lord. We wait for you, Lord. In the true sense of Quava, we wait for you expectantly. We are your people. Lord, for all of those who need mental strength this morning, let your Holy Spirit fall. Renew the minds of your people this morning. For those who need physical strength today, Lord, Lord, let your spirit quicken their mortal bodies, Lord. Let them be like Elijah, who knew new strength in the face of trial and trouble. Lord, for those this morning who need the power to say no, moral strength, Lord. Self-discipline, Lord Jesus. Self-control, Lord. I pray this morning a renewed measure of your energy and your strength. Lord, we're confident of your renewal because we depend on you, Lord. As John said, when we pray according to God's will, then we know that we have what we've asked for already. We know this morning, Lord, it is your will, your, your word teaches it, that you want to renew and strengthen your people for the next part of their walk, Lord. And so therefore we pray in confidence, in Jesus' name. Renew our strength in Jesus' name. And God's people said, just to confirm what Michael was saying, um, I didn't get to say it earlier. Lots of people are coming forward and they've been healed supernaturally just even over the last week. Hundreds came to the anointing of oil on Tuesday night. And I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. I can't explain it. But I know this. The power of God is moving. People who have been sick for years and they, they'll testify to it are being healed mentally, physically emotionally so just before Michael closes can I challenge you if there's an unbelief in your heart just expect why shouldn't God show you the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living Amen, Amen, praise God can I invite if you're comfortable with it only if you're comfortable, would you raise your hands to heaven as we close in prayer this morning? Our hands are our hearts. When we raise our hands, we're saying, Lord, these are our hearts. We're surrendered to you. Lord, as we go today, may we go confident of the goodness of God. Despite our situation or circumstance, may we go confident and expectant of seeing the goodness of God in our lives this week in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces, Lord. When we work and rest and play, may we walk, Lord. May we walk under the goodness of, and love 
that David said would pursue him all the days of his life, Lord. I thank you, Lord. You are our God and we are your people, Lord. We are who you say we are, Lord. We ask your blessing upon our coming and our going, our rising and our resting, upon our prayers and our playing. This week we pray in Jesus' name and God's people said, God bless you and go with you, brothers and sisters. Don't forget we're here again on Tuesday night. We're going to be worshiping and listening to God's word again on Tuesday night. The guys are going to play us out in a second. We're serving tea and coffee upstairs in the atrium. God bless you and go with you. Amen.